This is Coda Radio, episode 235 for December 12th, 2016. everyone, and welcome to Coder Radio, Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly talk show, taking a pragmatic look at the art and business of software development and related technologies. This episode is brought to you by our two fine sponsors, DigitalOcean and Linux Academy. I'll tell you more about those great sponsors as this here show goes on. My name is Chris, and joining us every single week, I think maybe chasing ambulances? I'm not quite sure. Maybe we'll get the details on that. Well, yes, it's Mr. Dominic. Hello, Mike! Chris, you could be entitled to compensation. <laughs> right on. I could be. I mean, I haven't been injured in a car accident yet, but I could arrange that. Stats. You can give I me a you big deal. by a trouser snake. Oh, jeez. Oh, yikes, Mr. Dominic. Guess what? We made it to 235. Can you believe that? We're doing good. Too. Have we ever have we missed a week? Maybe one week, but then we made it up like on a Friday. I mean, yeah, we like maybe one or something. when I got married or my son was born. I think is when we missed a week. Or that time you changed your identity to hide from the IRS for a week. There was that too. But then we just had that other mic fill in to throw everybody off. Everybody loves Miguel Domingo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Except for he was a big PHP guy, and I think some of the long timers caught on to that. <laughs> you know what, Chris? I am hiring for PHP right now. Are you? I thought you were hiring for uh, Ruby, I thought. I can't keep it I'm straight hiring, anymore. Right, so I got the Ruby guy. Right now I'm hiring for PHP. Okay. Possibly some ASP and, of course, everybody's favorite platform, Android. Monster. So this is uh, this sounds like a, like a, like a nice opportunity for somebody out there that wants to uh, stretch their legs yeah. and uh, help Mike uh, avoid doing PHP development work. And you can be and I'm about to say I was wrong, Chris. What? Well, whoa, whoa, hold on, hold on. I don't. I. I don't believe you. I don't have. You need a soundbite. I need something Are for you that. Record this. What? Okay. That's not what I. That's not the right soundbite. But that's my favorite one. Okay, I'm ready. I'm trying to do my best, Bill Clinton. I don't think I can. Uh, you see, now that's see, I, I'm not even gonna try to do Bill Clinton. Well, you know, I'm all about the on-site location thing, right? Mm. That is just not worth it. So all of these positions are 100 percent, dare I say, hugely remote. See, I think this is so smart. I think you got to do this. You got to do this. As somebody who totally agrees that having people in person is so awesome. Because some of the best stuff that happens uh, is just when Rika and I are walking past each other in the hallway here at the studio. It's it, you know it's like just random stuff that we stay up to date on because we're 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 just in the same space. But the flexibility <clears throat> and the reach you get is just it's just incomparable when somebody can work remotely and you have you know, you know you have tools like Slack and Telegram and IRC and Google Docs and Dropbox and GitHub and all of these tools that make it so easy to work remotely together. Yeah. Not to mention like if you just have like an online ticketing system or something like that that they can log into. It's so why the change? Just it's been too hard to find somebody local or what's up? So I mean, you go. You, you were know, all Marissa Meyer on this, like big time. I was Marissa Meyer on this, but kind of in secret, I had lightened up on it about three or four months ago. <gasps> uh, yeah, I know. And we've had a few remote guys, kind of you know, part time contracty sort sort of situation. Man, you're gonna make me like I've been I've been doubling down on this ever since you've been doubling down on this because I'm like, yeah, Mike's Mike's got some good points. Local is better. Well, I've been all like, well, we gotta get a local guy. We gotta get right. local. So okay, so hear me out. Here's what here's what was starting to happen. I would post like a job for like a job developer, right? And I would get, you know, 30, 40 resumes, um, local resumes. But the result, you know, we're a small shop. We want a good pool of talent and we do have a budget, right? So we're not, you know, we're not exactly, I was going to say Donald Trump, but I see that's just, you can't say that for a rich guy anymore because it means so many other things now. Um, we're not, we're not looking to, you know, these aren't junior roles, right? We're looking for like intermediate to senior people. We're not looking to take someone out of, uh, you know, uh, junior college or trade school or college and train them up. This is, you want the job, you get paid by the hour, you do the work immediately, right? There's no, you know, this isn't, 
this is your first job and we're going to take you for pizza. This is not that kind of thing. And unfortunately, I think this is the model that works better. And I say, unfortunately, like, I don't think it's that bad because interviewing college kids makes me want to cry. Yeah. That's been rough. It's been not fun. And it's basically a waste of time. Here's what I think the advantage too to remote is, and I don't know how you feel about this, but when you when you hire somebody remotely, there's the possibility. Now, this this totally varies on depending on how much work you have for the individual. But let's say you don't have forty hours a week of work for them. Right. There is for them there is an advantage because now you could be maybe one of two jobs they're working. Uh, I know I know a guy that does this, and he drives around the U.S. full time in his RV. And uh, he just has one or two clients at a time for doing web development. And I believe it's all PHP work too, actually. And so, uh, so he, essentially, he essentially works two jobs, but neither jo- both jobs have about, have about 10 hours of work, which is just about what he wants. So he gets about 20, 25 hours total a week via these two different sources. Right, and, and that's exactly, this is exactly how this is, right? This is you know, hourly work as we have it. Right now we have it. Um. Obviously, you still have to apply with a resume, desired hourly rate. I think this is the way – I don't mean to be this guy, but I think this is the new economy. I really think there's going to be less and less jobs as things become commoditized or outsourced. And so for me, I mean this is why I got out of of contract consulting to begin with because I I specialized in on-premises servers. And then pretty soon towards the end of it, I was specializing in in migrating everything to hosted servers. We didn't quite call it the cloud back then, but it was – or we were called hosted services – which is a better term, but anyways, that 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 shift is not you, that is always happening in the technology industry. But if you can diversify your income sources across a couple of different companies, you're in a little bit more control. You're not exactly unemployed. You're not exactly like you know taking on tens and tens of clients. You're not doing that. It's more like one or two clients. I work from home. I've got a great setup. I can right. get a lot of work done here. I got my monitors, my lighting, my keyboard, every my chair, everything the way I like it. My speakers, and I can really bang stuff out. And with my with my friend who just drives around the U.S., uh, he he'll do ten to twenty five hours of work. A week, and he just knows. Well, okay, this week, based on this project, I have this much time for driving, and then when my projects sort of dry up, that's when I do the majority of my traveling. And it's it totally works for him. It's he doesn't make a lot of money doing it, but he's also not dependent on any one in, individual income source, and it's enough for him to pay for gas and food. That's kind of interesting. Yeah, yeah, it, it's it's an interesting thing. I mean, I think you really hit it on the head, though. But tools like Jira, but Slack, things like that, it it just makes the physical office space make more sense to the point where I might reduce or cut the office space. Yeah, that's the other where, that's of, the other place I was going to go. And that could be huge yeah. for the business. You know, we fantasized yeah. uh, here at Jupiter Broadcasting about taking um, our OBS productions and, and running them on a DigitalOcean droplet and essentially negating the need for a studio, which is kind of crazy because I fantasized about building my own studio and then we invested a lot of time. We've been here for a couple of years and it just works great for what we do. But at the same time, creating content for the internet and if I want to be more mobile anyways, I don't really need to be tied to a building. And I could save myself some money and put that back into the company. So I've been tempted. I've been tempted to do it myself even though we yeah, do high we do high volume, large file size video editing. Yeah, I mean, this has been a thread going through the very beginning of the show when I was full remote, uh, and then I kind of got the office, and yeah. that kind of you know, that worked, and we got this different office, and we, you know what I found in this business, right? Dev consulting, like being a little dev shop, overhead and like fixed liabilities are the one of the number one most damaging things you can have, and things like office space, you know non-billable hours they're all pretty terrible uh and this model definitely helps you avoid that and it provides more flexibility to the developers themselves the workers because i don't like putting pants on and i'm told a lot of people don't in fact one of the main things i would get when i would post these jobs before was oh is this at least partial remote Uh, yeah right i can imagine that yeah Yeah. i uh i wonder too if if you're not tied to a physical building, then are you less tied to a particular region? And then are you more likely to take on clients that are maybe on the West Coast? Because, you know, regionality has never been a, a big thing for me. It, uh, I mean, we have certain hubs that we tend to get work from, but that's 
probably because most of the work is repeat work and referrals. Um, in fact, in 2017 is really when I'm trying to be a little more proactive and do a little more, you know, business development. Mm, you're starting to think stuff. about that, huh? Yeah, I have been thinking about that a little bit myself yeah. too. In fact, I just, uh, I mean, we can just, I mean, we have another topic. We can just dive into this. I just got a product called Infusionsoft to do this very thing. Hmm. So it's, first of all, it's interesting how much uh, big sales tools companies like to make things look like Windows and Microsoft Word in particular. Yeah. Like down to the icons. It's the worst. <laughs> Wow. It's it's pretty bad. It has to be some sort of ASP app. That's all I can think because these widgets are but you know it works, right? I mean, you want you want your tools to work and I I wasn't about to build a CRM. So. <laughs> yeah. No doubt. Yeah, I've been I've been thinking about 2017 too, a little bit a little bit of business changes. I'll have one less show I'm doing where I'm handing over TechSnap to Wes and Dan. From Alan and I, we're doing a transition there, which would be good because it'll free me up to work on some more stuff. Which is that that time's already before we've even ended the show. That the or not ended before I've even gotten off the show. I've already budgeted up my time, but I'm hoping that'll make a big difference for 2017 and fitting in with a few other plans that I have. It's, it is the time of year to start thinking about that when you run your own business. Speaking of things, just just totally unpredictable when it comes to small businesses. I have heard a lot from the grapevine about Pebble. But this yeah. is this is a this is a real, I mean, you real know, I, I I got two pebbles. One was given to me by an audience member, and one that I bought. That I bought the next generation after that. And my buddy Chase has bought every generation, including the ones they haven't even shipped yet. Uh, Pebble Time Two and Pebble Core, by the way, and the Pebble Time Round will never, never ship. No. Yeah, the partly sum is about half of the seventy million that they got. By the way, they Fitbit bought them for somewhere between thirty-four and forty million. That partly sum is half of the seventy million that Intel offered them. In 2016, and a fraction of the 740 million that Citizen offered them in 2015. <laughs> it's even less than what they raised on Kickstarter. So yeah. today, Pebble also confirmed the sales uh, will end on its blog and its Kickstarter page, and warranty for existing wearables will be unavailable. Anyone who's looking to buy bands or chargers for existing watches are being pointed to third-party sources on Amazon or elsewhere. And Fitbit has no interest in offering any kind of service or support for the Pebble products. They're all done. So it's like a really, really not so big aqua hire. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I've been, I have, I have been, I have been told, and I have seen via pod, other podcasts based on uh, ex employees of Pebble that the company was ran. Uh, the reason why they had, the reason why they went to Kickstarter for future products is because they had to. They had, they were ran so poorly. They they were she, well. Anyways, it's just it's an old. It's it looked like it was probably uh, it was coming. However, Pebble really offered something unique in the wearable space when it came to this e-ink display, six five five six seven days of battery life, depending if you're doing sleep tracking, and uh, you know, decent functionality. Really, I mean, does the fitness tracking? It did the sleep tracking. It it had an always on clock, which the Apple Watch still can't compete with. The display was tiny and it looked kind of old, but they were getting there. And it was nice to see somebody coming at it from the other end and not trying to cram an iPhone into a into a watch or a, or a Nexus into a watch, but to see somebody create something that was e-ink and built from the ground up to be a watch. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, one thing though is this whole wearable space isn't really going anywhere, right? If if your name isn't Fitbit. You're basically not making money. Yeah, you know, and boy, remember the six-year lead-up to the Apple Watch in the rumor mill? Yeah. Just this mantra of Apple's got to make a watch, Apple's got to make a watch, Apple's got to make a watch. And then Google launches Android Wear first. And, you know, that's not – I mean, it's – it's. I'm watchless again. I have I have gone – I've, I I, no I've given on. away my watches to other people. Yeah. They, they like them, and I'm just – don't bother. You know, part of it is, Mike, is uh, these things, what they're best at is notification triage. And uh, I really hate notifications. I do. I, I, I am too ADD yeah. and I, I lose valuable work in my head when I get an interruption. And, if, and I thought I was too much of a precious princess to admit that to myself. Oh, look at me. I have fancy ideas that I don't want to lose. I'm such a princess. You know what? That's so stupid. That is such a stupid old bro attitude kind of thing that just needs to go away. I, 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 a lot of my work is cognitive. A lot of what I do is yeah. cognitive. And when I am working on something, to lose state based on an interruption about something that doesn't matter via telegram 
is is costly to me, to my productivity. And so then if I'm not using it for notifications, all the other functionality is kind of secondary or even tertiary. Like the fitness tracking is great on the Apple Watch, but I can just take – I can go for a walk with my phone and get most of the same features except for heart tracking. So I, I – yeah, you're right. I find them to be uncompelling. Didn't you just recent – about like a last – at the beginning of the year or something get the Moto 360 or something? I did. I did, yeah. And the uh, Fossil Q. I got that as a, a – And neither one of them have stuck, huh? You know, no, not really. And the the problem is like having to charge a watch. It's just a little too much responsibility for me. And I ended up turning off all the notifications just like you. So – Honestly, I have a regular fossil watch that needs a new battery. I'll probably just go back to wearing that. I do like having the time. And so the always-on display yeah. was a nice thing of the pebble that you could kind or, of get with know, Android Wear. A, a watch. I'm just, yeah, you know. or a watch. Yep. Yeah, the, the main thing I actually use these watches for was voice dictation, and they're not excellent at it. They're not great at it. Uh, oftentimes, the connection's too slow to the phone, and so they can't transfer the speech data it just falls apart. It, it seemed to be most reliable on the Apple Watch to me, having tried on three Android Wear watches. Pebble didn't have this functionality. But if there is something fantastic about driving – when I'm driving, because I, I drive about two hours every day, there is something magical about having a great idea hit me while I'm driving and with a tiny flick of my wrist having the watch light up and I say, hey, watch – Add a to-do list or set a reminder or email, and it just does it really quickly, and I don't lose the thing. It turns the commute into a semi-productive um, uh, drive without having to be very distracting while driving or or anything like that. Because I'm not even really – I have my hands at the uh, – at the you know, like blast your, blast your hands in your face with the airbag position on the top of the wheel. And I just twitch my, my wrist a little bit, and I don't even take my hand off the steering wheel. To set a reminder. That was great functionality. The problem is the voice recognition kind of sucks, especially with road noise. So there you go. Pebble, shutting down. That is a rough one. And Fitbit, Fitbit making some aggressive, dominating moves in the industry, coming in, cutting throats, and owning that little space like an animal, Mike, like a fox. Hey, you know, let's uh, let's start talking about your Google Home and Google Actions. Let's take a moment here and thank our first sponsor, and that's Linux Academy. Go to linuxacademy.com slash coders where you can sign up for a free seven-day trial. This is great, and it's pretty new to Linux Academy, and it's a super nice way for you to get a sense of what the platform offers. There's so much stuff in here for anyone that wants to learn the itty-bitties about Linux all the way up to the big platform stuff, the big things in the industry that you make money on. Whether you're an experienced sysadmin or new to the world of Linux, Azure, and AWS, OpenStack, and DevOps, a sharp skill set is an absolute necessity to succeed. Meet Linux Academy, an online Linux and cloud training platform that uses self-paced video courses and hands-on labs to give you real-world experience for a wide range of skills. Train for your certification, learn the latest DevOps tools, and grow your skill set to do better work. Linux Academy is not just a video library. Our scenario-based server labs and quiz system allow you to learn hands-on. We also have full-time human instructors who answer questions and help you earn that certification or promotion at work. We add new training every week, so you'll always be up to date on the latest tech. Sysadmins of every experience level use Linux Academy to stay on the bleeding edge of the Linux ecosystem. Man, that's you true. too. LinuxAcademy.com slash coders. One of the other things that's really nice about Linux Academy, I mean, besides instructor mentoring, which is just super unparalleled, uh, is now the public profiles. So you can show and demonstrate to your employer or to your client or to yourself what you've achieved. And their community is great because it's full of Jupyter Broadcasting members. And if you happen to be like a bus commuter or a train commuter, consider their iOS or Android apps too. What a great way to spend that time. LinuxAcademy.com slash Coder. Sign up for a free seven-day trial. And a big thank you to Linux Academy for sponsoring the Coder Radio program. You know, Mike, the one thing that might get me to get like a Fitbit or an Apple Watch or something like that would be if in the springtime I get back into swimming like I keep telling myself I'm going to do. Because that is a pretty cool thing to be able to track. Um, or any kind of thing where you want to do some fitness stuff and you just have goals. It is yeah. useful. I have – I did I, – I, I did find myself – Allowing myself to be gamed by the fitness goals, like I intend, like I recognize that all oh, these are arbitrary goals that I've set, 
but I like completing them. So I'm I will I will walk instead of drive. It, it, it did have a it did have a plus. So after yesterday or yesterday after last week's episode, I think we probably sold a few more Google Homes because I got a couple of comments from people that said that boy after Mike talked about it, I I really kind of wanted one, and I thought, geez, Mike just said he plays <laughs> poker games with or uh, bar games with it. But now we got a more comprehensive review posted over at Dominic. M. We do. Com. We do. Yeah. The so, Google Home review. Tell me, how's it going? You know, it's going good. Um, more time with it. I've run into a few minor issues in terms of the uh, like minor service outages. It would say, "Please check your network connection," but all the other devices here would work. Oh, really? So I'm assuming. Yeah, I'm assuming that was like something on their end. But you know, I did hit one real uh, obnoxious problem. And that's the problem Google has in Chrome as well, where it does not understand that you may have one person who has a Google Work app, you know, Google Work account, and a Gmail account. And it doesn't get that those are the same person. And that you might – so you know what I'm talking about, right? Apps for business versus, Oh, of course. Uh, yeah, I have a personal Gmail account, and then I have my Jupyter Broadcasting email hosted there. Well – the problem, if you think about it, is your Google Music, YouTube Red, all that crap is likely to be on your personal account. Yep. But all the calendar, the email, the setting appointments is going to be on your work account. Yep. That just doesn't work with Google Home. You have to have one account. So what are you going to do? Is it worth merging to one hybrid Dominic account? No, I'm not going to merge. I, you know, This is an obvious enough of a problem that I feel like we'll have to solve it. Does it bother you at all? That this is still a thing. I mean, this, um, this, I just, I, it really gets me that Google still sucks at this. All, you know, a lot I, of their I'm properties, kind of, yeah. like YouTube and Google Docs, recognize that I am the same Google user. I've been able to tie all the accounts together, and I can drop, I can click my stupid face up in the right-hand corner, and it drops down all the other accounts that I have tied in with Google, and I can switch between them. So I'm a little bit of two minds on it. I, I understand why some enterprises wouldn't want Google to recognize that like their employees' Google Work account is not, you know, is the same person as, you know, my dot last name at gmail.com. But it really is inconvenient if everything's going to tie into your Google account to have it like this. What would be nicer is if you could just feed it multiple iCal feeds. Like you, you, like with Alexa, it's not – Alexa is actually in this in – the, ironically, a little bit easier to deal with here because Alexa, you could right. just associate it with different feeds and it would – you know, it doesn't have to use all of the Google hooks and, the, and it's a little bit more flexible in some yeah. sense because it's not associated with Google's ecosystem. So what I was almost thinking, like there is a Google Home app that why can't you just go into the app on your phone and – just like configure your calendar. Yeah, exactly. Right? And your email. And then everything else would assume whatever Gmail account the home was was set up with, but for the email and calendar. But th- then it's still screwed up, right? Because like if you're in development and you have, you know, multiple customers, you probably have like 400 Gmail accounts, um, which is just annoying. So I... I don't know how Google solves this problem where everybody's happy. I mean, as a user, I, I just like. Is this a tool we need, though? Like, so you're using it at your office. Are there elements of it that make you wish you had it at home? Could you, is this a useful tool for the home? Because it is called Google Home, which you just you, you didn't make Google work, to be fair. Yeah, see, I have a kind of weird situation at home where I don't like I listen to a lot of music, but I almost never listen to it over the air. Usually I have headphones on or something, and that has everything to do with, like, having a seven-month-old in the house, right? So music's probably out. Right. What about, like, like, quarries and and things like that? Again, being quiet is sort of necessary. Yeah. Um, Because if I'm not, like, with the family, I'm... See, what I think I'm trying to suss out is, is there actually... Is this just the next wearables? Is there actually a market for this? Oh, no, no, no. Yeah. So it could be, but I think if I were like a bachelor or, you know, a bit at an earlier stage in my life, I would use this all the time. Really? And I would totally use it at home. Yeah. 
it would be like my I would buy a bunch of Chromecast and it would be my main entertainment hub. So you get home and you you'd address this thing and you'd say fire up YouTube or something and whatever, right? Yeah. Huh. Yeah, I should play with that. I, I feel like I am I am curious. I am I am considering to me this feels like the product category is getting to the point where perhaps I I should no longer not have an informed opinion about it. But I'm not I still don't don't know if I feel like it's like I'm trying to visualize how I would use it. I, I could see it at my at my house, my RV. I would I would walk in and I'd, you know, have it but I'd want it to be able to turn on my television. Like if I have to get a remote and turn on my TV and my soundbar anyways. Well, th- this is the problem, right? Like, it the usefulness of any of these products is going to scale with how deeply you are in that platform vendor's ecosystem. Mm, yeah, that's so a good one point. One issue I'm going to have is I have like 200 movies on iTunes now. Uh. That there is no way in hell Google Home is going to be able to fire up for me, Chromecast or no, right? So that's a problem. Yeah, the other thing that's, for me that's awkward is I have an Android TV. I, I think I have the best one, the, the NVIDIA Shield TV, which I just think is a great product. And um, it has a microphone in the remote, and I press it, and I can ask it Google-like queries. You know, I can mm-hmm. basically anything you can ask, okay, Google, I can ask it. So that's interesting. It's almost like I'm not, it feels a little redundant, but I like the idea of something I could I can shout out, hey, add this to my calendar. Um, set a reminder, set it to do that kind of stuff is super valuable for me. But I would like them to be able to work in tandem. So then I would want one in the studio so I could say, hey, when I get to the studio's Google Home device, so tell, tell me about something. So I could set reminders on different Google Homes or something like that. And then we're now we're cooking with gas. Now I want one at the office and at home. But until these things are there and they're not so locked in and not so limited, I'm, I feel like this is kind of actually a, a lame duck category. Am I just being a curmudgeon? You, would you um, buy think, it again? Yeah, I would. I would buy it again. I'm keeping it, right? I'm not going to try to like return it or anything like that. Okay. Um, I I think you're being a curmudgeon, but but you make a fair point in that, and I I think you're like dancing around a good point here about a strategy tack because of the platform vendor. Mm, maybe when that is my go to stuff. <laughs> none of this. Yeah. Well, none of this stuff works together. Yeah. Right. Like I have to be honest. The biggest effect of Google Home on my life has made me like not like Siri on my iPhone at all. And I'm I'm in a place where I know Android phones just I've had reliability problems with them. Mm-hmm. But I really wish I could get like an iPhone with Android OS on it and with, you know, all the Google functions. You know, you can do uh hey phone, open the Google app, and then you can do okay Googs, and that chain does work. Yeah, but it's stupid. I it mean, is stupid, yeah. 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 I actually, so what do you think is so bad about Siri? I mean, not to drag this on, because I want to get to actions on, on the Google Home in a moment, but just curious. So, yeah, there's... This is the big debate. Siri's fallen so far behind. Uh, oh, but before, just before we go there, so go chew on that for a second. You know, you mentioned that they're, they're too locked down to their own platforms. I would say the other problem is, even in that context, they're pretty weak. So we're going to speculate here for a moment. But so you just excited the example where you can't have multiple Google accounts, especially the Google Apps accounts. So the most loyal Google customers are essentially punished when they buy a Google Home. Imagine sure. Apple, though. If they shipped Siri Home, do you think you'd be able to play movies from multiple iTunes accounts? Well, maybe if you actually had a family, if you use the family share. Actually, Apple would probably with yeah, the family I mean, account. Apple, ha- Apple has weird problems with like iCloud keychain and all yeah. that kind of functionality. But in terms of like family accounts, Apple yeah. gets it. So, so what do you think? Uh, uh, um, I can't remember what I was just asking you. Well, there was a before it was I distracted. The whole theory falling behind. Oh yeah. So what is it about it? Yeah. Thank you. I don't want to go. I don't want to spend us a ton of time on it. But this is this is mentioned all the time, and it just feels like it's almost like a go-to talking point. And I. I, I actually, you know, having tested the two major things, I have not done Google Assistant, but doing it with uh, Google Now and Siri, side by side for the things that I need, I found Siri to be, well, I just found it to actually have features that Google Now doesn't even have. See, I've, I found almost the exact opposite. Um, Siri often doesn't, so one thing I find Siri very slow. Mm-hmm. Like extremely, for yeah. simple stuff like, you know, hey, Siri, play Aces High. And it didn't even figure that out, by the way. So, you know, again, it's not... Sure, like, both of them could have done that, but I feel like Siri would do it slower. Mm. One big problem I have with Siri, again, but this is a strategy tax thing, is I would actually prefer to use Google Music. Mm. But I have to use Apple Music, because that's 
the way things are. I wonder if that could be changed now in iOS 10. I wonder if Google Music could integrate in with Siri using the API. I'll check it out. I have not been able to so do it. So I've done some, you know, I've done some testing with this, and I found that uh, I've done a lot of, like, how do they read the results back to you? So I did a lot of uh, testing with, I put my devices on a table across the room from me and and tried to get answers without ever looking at my phone to see what, what if you're using just a voice system, how far can you get? And they both are uh, essentially on pair. But let me just tell you the the area that I feel like Siri that is so damn valuable to me that I feel like Google now just, and I don't know how Assistant does it, but it's probably similar, just really sucks at, is Siri works so well with geofences and reminders. And I can I can say, next time I return to this location, remind me. Or next time I go to Safeway it, next to me, remind me. Or when I get to the studio, remind me. Or when I get home, these, being able to, and being able to just say it just like that, and, and, and it, you know, it does it is so so freaking valuable and i can the only way i can get google now to do this is if i have these certain addresses in my address book and i have the proper nickname set up and there's only a certain selection of nicknames so i can't say studio i have to say work and that has to be defined in my google contact as my work address and then i have to have home set to whatever rv campsite i'd feel like being at for the week and then i have to go in there and change that whenever i do that and that's home and it's really weak and it and then and then at least maybe because i'm a notification nazi but at least from the way i've been able to determine this unless you have android wear or or you have I, 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 the only place i've seen the notification come up is in the now cards so then to see the reminder once you get to the location you have to bring up the now cards to begin with which i don't i don't get to the grocery store and the first thing i do is bring up google now that's not what i do so it doesn't work for me whereas i get a push notification on the iPhone when I get to the location inside the geofence that I've defined. And that is such an incredibly valuable feature for me that it's just – I mean like – because I can, I can be like, oh, yeah, next time I go over to Angela's house, I need to fix Gravity Falls for the kids. And I can just set that as a reminder on Sunday and then when I go over there on Tuesday, I get reminded about it. It's brilliant. That kind of stuff, that kind of basic practical functionality or – Send a message to Hadia and it just it, – it, or my girlfriend and all of that just – it works. Like it figures all that out. That's – that natural stuff is super cool. It, I don't know. So I feel like it's not as um, uncompetitive. It just depends on what you use it for. Like if you're looking for raw information about like when a restaurant is open or is what its reviews are, you're going to generally get there better with Google Now. The other thing Google Now is going to yeah. more often do is have an answer without having to say – let me check the web. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't do that. Yeah, so, so, so that's exactly the problem I have with Siri. It's always like, I'm going to Bing this or Google this for yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. If you're not doing, yeah, if you're not doing, but if you're doing more task-oriented, literally more assistant-oriented stuff, I think it might be better in some cases. If you're doing more web information stuff, that's usually when I go to the Google app. So what's interesting is like we use these tools very differently. I don't use geofencing at all. It'll change your life, man. Really? So I, I will try it on a Siri this coming week and see if – so how does it work? Well, so for example, like you set up uh, – now in my contact, I think that's how I got the studio. But I, I don't remember if I said name this location the studio or I don't remember how I initially defined it because I did it when they first added Siri and it's just stuck ever since. So it's been so long now that I don't remember how I said it. But it's brilliant because you, I believe you can go to a location like a grocery store and say, tell me next – remind me next time I return here and then it's in the system. So play with that functionality. So that way, like, say, you, say you're leaving to go home and you're like, oh, crap, when I come back tomorrow, try it. Say, next time I return to this location, remind me to flush the toilet. And then you'll see next time. You'll completely have forgotten about it. And then you return to that location. It's like, hey, don't forget you got that huge deuce in the toilet. Like, oh, thanks, Siri. I know. We should probably get off this. But I, I find it to be very useful. And I would like to see Google do a better job at that. And if I could have Google Homes at multiple locations – then the two things that would really solve it for me would be the studio and where I live. And if I could have devices in both locations that work together, that'd be amazing. I digress. Do you want to talk about actions before we get off to Google Home? I do want to talk about actions, yeah. All right. Um, so Google has opened up the Google Assistant API technology, machine learning, buzzwords, big mm-hmm. data, analytics. Seems good, though. Is it really is, – now, is it like opened up or is it like opened up to certain people? Uh, no, it appears to be opened up. You can just go ahead and uh, try to do something. Cool. Conversation actions on yeah. the... 
Introduction to Conversation Actions. Okay, Google. What's the temperature like at Mount Everest? The temperature there is minus 14. Ooh, I better pack a jacket. Oh, hi. I'm Wayne Pachowski, and today I'm going to talk about the Google Assistant. <laughs> well, that's just garbage. You can develop your own yeah, so is that about the speed? Is that about, the, is that about an accurate... Uh, uh, yeah, that's a fair representation. So it looks like they're pretty simple, really. You have an invocation trigger, and then you can generate a dialogue output, and you can process dialogue input. Um, yep. So from a development perspective, there's two interesting things going on here. One, it like every other bot platform, and I'm – you know what? I am going to lump this stuff in with bots because I'm, it's getting hard to like distinguish between a bot, a virtual assistant, an AI platform. Can we just agree to call them bots? I think <laughs> I don't know because right. Microsoft wants to call it AI uh, too. They well, well, Microsoft wants to like say it's a bot if it's text, it's AI yes. if it's verbal. Yes, they want to. Yes, they want to differentiate. That's a good way to put it. But I don't understand why you wouldn't have both interfaces. Right, because they're both just in the UI. Right, it's two two interaction methods. Um, this is, you know, you, the SDK is a Node.js JavaScript SDK because JavaScript is eating the world and is the uh, lingua franca of the world now. Everything has to be written in JavaScript. And I'm not even hating, you know, the uh, bot kit thing I like is in JavaScript. Inappropriate? No, not at all. I don't believe you. But this is, this is where things get a little interesting. Google has purchased API.i... Uh, AI? What? API.ai. Yeah, they somehow got a .ai domain name, which I find Yeah, I'm seeing that. Holy smokes. Look at them go. API.ai. This is a a proprietary tool that you have to pay for, but it seems like it kind of kickstarts your uh, Google action development. I have lots of things to say about Google being in this space. Uh, Jeez, they're that, really going all in, dude. Right, they're going to win. Do you see their two pricing models? They have zero dollars, which has no query limit, no bandwidth limits, private yep. agents, and a data usage by API AI. And then they have the preferred plan, which has flexible queries, flexible bandwidth, and optional speech recognition, optional data usage. And the price is let's talk. Well, and, and here's the other thing about this. You don't have to use API.ai. You could just use the Node.js SDK and spin up a Linux server on DigitalOcean for yeah. $5 a month, yep. um, which is probably what I would do. But they are, they are, if this is the next you know, arena, right, the next platform, the next user interface model that we've all been looking for and we all wanted wearables to be, Google has such a far head start than everybody else with the one exception of Microsoft, but I don't know. Microsoft's doing great things, but they can't seem to like capitalize on any of it. Yeah, and the thing is, is I don't really know anyone else. I mean, there's probably somebody else out there in the private industry, but I don't know anybody else in the public sector like this that is that is utilizing the core functionality at the center of so many of their products. Like every modern Google device from televisions to watches and everything in between has Google speech recognition built into it. So you can OK Googs anytime you want. They're collecting so much intention data. They're collecting so much voice recognition data. They're collecting so much social data. It is it, – it, it, and, it, and the thing is it's, it's, it's core to their business. They die without it. So they seem like they would be naturally – the most aggressive, the most ahead, and the most invested in this space. Like Microsoft, space. it's like Microsoft's all in on Azure, too, to a degree. They're also well, all in on all the other things they do. Yeah, this is another case. So, like, the Microsoft bot framework, which we've talked about several times on the show, is very good. Like, I like it a lot. I think it's one of the – it was one of the earlier entrants by, one of, you know, one of the big proprietary tech, tech companies. But – they just can't get traction. I mean, it, it's kind of amazing. They're they're releasing the Microsoft Home Hub or whatever they're going to call it, and I mean that thing is going to be DOA. I, no one's going to buy it. I mean, barely anyone bought the Google Home, but no one's going to buy that. Slow, Apple, they're too slow. Yeah, Apple, but they were first. See, that's the thing. They were first with the SDK for developers. Mm-hmm. It it's a they integrated with Slack, who they then decided to compete with. 
And, uh, you know, yeah. Slack sent them a really stupid open letter in the New York Times. Yeah. Yeah. Immature people from California. Um, I, I really don't like that Valley thing. It bothers me. How, I mean, it, Chris, it is blowing my mind because I still remember the days when if Microsoft got into your space, get that bankruptcy filing ready to go. Oh, yeah. Either get, you, yeah. you get bought by Microsoft the, or you, you get pushed out. To them or you just, yeah. just you know, file. <laughs> that's right. Oh, yeah. And that's now right. they, they had it. They, again, they were basically first, right? Yeah. And, they, and Google is so late with opening this up to developers. But the whole news, the entire news cycle was just boom, Google Actions open to developers. Well, a lot of people were waiting. You know, it's sort of like a lot of people were waiting for the Apple Watch, not to bring it back to wearables again. But a, a lot of people were waiting for, to buy into the market before until Apple shipped a watch. A lot of people are waiting for Google because people know Google is going to be the leader in this area, most likely, if you're going to bet on somebody. Although Amazon so, also, also I think, shouldn't be undersold. There's a lot, yeah, of, Amazon, there's a lot of interesting things. Yeah, Amazon got has had a lot of credit and a lot of actually good work, and I. I would actually not be too surprised if Apple doesn't come out with something in 2017 that people didn't see coming in this area. I just heard about a talk yeah, but, that some Apple employees were at that suggests they are taking this stuff very seriously. You know, Apple, it just feels a day late and a dollar short. I, the only, see, Apple, how could they do this and maintain their their stance on privacy, right? And encrypting wait, the data wait, 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 what, what are you talking about? What are, you talk, what are you talking about, man? This, every every iPhone 6S and beyond, you can just shout out from across the room. It's the same thing. Same with the watch. You can shout out the watch and, and iPads right now. I get that, right? But part part of what makes the Google system so good is that it saves all this crap based on your Google account. Yeah, but what was that bogus uh, scientific method they talked about using where they could uh, uh, you know, still collect data but uh, average it out and include a bunch of bogus you, stuff? You mean like basically voodoo? Yeah, well, I can't remember. They had a great name for it, though. Differential privacy. That's what it was. Differential privacy. Isn't that a classic? Which has got some legit science behind it. I don't mean to be, you know, such a Yeah, I'm not sure brat, that it's bogus, but... but here's the problem. If it's bogus, okay. If it's not bogus, then that is a, a material disadvantage. Yeah, and right? the other that thing is, is you know what? You, you know what's worse. not bogus? is actually just collecting all of the user data and just looking right at it raw dog style like Googs does. And that's, right. that's Google's like, that you know is not bogus. <laughs> Google's like, yeah, we store this data. I think Apple can do it, though. If they can do Siri today, I think they could still do it. You don't have to make it crazy great if you just make – what if they just extended the Siri stuff they introduced in iOS 10, uh, you know, a whole new level for this you device? Know, I, I'm i getting no RFPs, no calls, no interest in adding Siri integration to anything. Yeah, I can't even think of any yeah. – yeah. I, I, I don't – I just – and apparently Google uses some form of differential privacy. Too, oh, and so does and Microsoft. Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah. It, it, it's one of those things that feels like it means something, and it definitely does. But I, I wonder, like, if they all mean the same thing. Because what I've heard is that Apple's implementation is far more privacy conscious than Google's. Um, but, you know, yeah, take my, that for what it's worth. Microsoft I, wrote a paper that we linked to eras ago. Well, uh, well here's the thing. Microsoft does the R&D. They do the first dev kit, and then Google's going to come in and take the whole market. <laughs> because they have 80% of the smartphone market that has these babies already in them. Yeah. Right? Yeah, and they got the set-top and, box market. And they have, and, and listen, Google doesn't give a crap. They'll give you the home, right? I'm sure they're waiting for Christmas. Oh, Google Home's 50 bucks, right? Can you imagine them? They'll cut the price. Oh, yeah, that's, that's going to be – yeah, it's going to be cheap. Yeah. yeah. You're going to be giving these to your nephews. Although I, also, like I honestly thought the uh, Alexa would be down a lot more too because that's just a shopping – that's just a shopping machine. Yeah, why, why they're not like mailing every Prime subscriber and Alexa. See, this is the thing. Me. Alexa is the one that makes the most sense to me. Alexa seems like the best case scenario because at the end of the day – not only does it not have the strategy tax that the home would have, um, but you can still use it to get stuff off of Amazon, which is well, at least semi-useful. Like, it, there seems to be a, a real purpose to it. Well, yeah. I mean, Amazon's really good at getting that impulse buy out of you, right? That's, hey, Alexa, get me a order of toilet paper. Or, I mean, hopefully that's not an impulse buy. <laughs> 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 Otherwise, right, you could be up a real, you could be in a really shitty situation. Oh. Bum, bum, bum. 
I just say, I'm just saying, uh, you're you're getting me closer to thinking it's a more viable market. I think what I want to see is do developers actually take to actions like they haven't taken to Siri, whatever. I'm I'm sorry, I'm blowing the Siri thing. It's just it's so underwhelming. I can't even. I know there's a few apps like I, I know I could actually start my podcast and stuff using it, but I, I just that's not what I've been because Siri doesn't do much. I've I've trained myself to use Siri for a range of things that it works really well that I think in some cases are more valuable valuable to me than other functionality. But I, I am beginning to get the sense that perhaps this is a market I should take more seriously. Well, see, here's the thing. Someone is going to have to take the risk and open this up pretty wide to developers. And some developers are going to do horrible things. I mean, that's just the way it goes, right? I really hope they make this work because I wouldn't mind a product that's genuinely good, especially if they can get the privacy privacy stuff figured out. This would be very useful. And it, as far as a product that could generate revenue, this has to be something that would be unlike anything they've ever shipped because it's got really no user no user interactive parts that people have to mess with. Everything is cloud-based. All the right. software they can push to it over the internet. It's got an always-on connection. They're in two-way communication with the thing. It is it is the ideal Internet of Things type device. It is Internet of Things in a way that is actually sustainable for the company to maintain and get patched. Because it doesn't have to have an LCD screen one day for you to be able to continue to talk to it. And it doesn't have to have a, a brand new speaker for it to be able to understand something six months from now that it couldn't understand today. It's genius in how they could continue to monetize this thing for years if they can figure this market out and it would be a shame if they blow it because I would love to see whoever it is and I'm starting to think maybe it's Alexa more than the home but whoever it is I would love to see him pull it off Mike because damn I would just really really appreciate a device that genuinely made my life a little more organized that would be great for me uh, you know, well, let's see what happens. Time is tight, and when time is tight, check out our next sponsor, and that's DigitalOcean, a great quick way to spin up some serious infrastructure on demand. In less than 55 seconds, you can have a rig that's ready to go. All of their systems are backed with SSD drives, so everything's nice and fast. SSDs really make a big difference. It's not just like, oh, it makes it fast for, for serving web pages. I mean, that's that's pretty nice too, but caching can take care of that. No, it's just nice working with the system, setting it up, updating packages, all of it. And they got 40 gigabit e-connections into the hypervisor, so you're really working with some serious bandwidth. In fact, check out their pricing. It's so phenomenal. It, you can you get it, you get it with all of their pricing plans. You get the really straightforward API. You get the lightning fast network, highly available block storage, which you can attach up to 16 terabytes to a droplet. You can work with teams. You'd get deployed in seconds and look at the pricing. It's really phenomenal. I like messing around with the hourly pricing too if you're using DigitalOcean for learning, testing, or prototyping, or temporarily scaling. I was talking to Alan last week, and I think he said they're spinning something up like, did he say 20 droplets just for one weekend event? They spin them up for a few hours. They scale out, and they can can bolt it on like infrastructure. You can use their API to make that really simple and straightforward. And they have the best interface to manage these systems. You can pick all of the great distributions or FreeBSD. And they got data centers in New York, San Francisco, Singapore, Amsterdam, London, Toronto, and Germany. It's my go-to place whenever I need a computer, even even for something simple like trying out a package. If it's something where I need a command line and I don't need a full graphical interface, I always go to DigitalOcean. And if it's something that requires an X interface, I still have run it on DigitalOcean. It's, <laughs> I love SSH X1140. DigitalOcean.com. Use our promo code CODERDIGITAL to get a $10 credit and try it out for a little while. If you play with that $0.03 cents an hour rig... You could really make some serious progress and try out something brand new or supplement your website or do a a prototype or a demo for a client. It's a really nice system. And then later on, if you build something for somebody, the pricing is so nice that you could either just work it into the monthly billing to them, just sort of resell, or honestly just transfer to them. So here you go. I'm going to pay five bucks a month. DigitalOcean.com. Use the promo code CODERDIGITAL. And a big thank you to DigitalOcean for sponsoring the Coder Radio program. You just sign up and apply it to your Account, digitalocean.com. They also have a, a, a tutorial up on their website right now that would work for anybody. You don't have, you'd have to be a DigitalOcean customer, but it's setting up real-time performance monitoring with net data on Ubuntu 16.04. I found a really cool uh, – I'm going to call it a crisp pick. It's not like an official like I've uh, kicked the tires a lot and I'm going to come here and tell you this has changed my workflow and my life. But it could be really cool for those of us that just want a simpler way to manage Docker containers across multiple hosts, which can get hairy fast for me. I, when I was messing around with Docker, I, I didn't really appreciate this until I got in too far. Uh, and so Docker Swarm's fine, not really. And Kubernetes is pretty complicated. 
um, really for what I want. Pi Cluster. You can run an image on a Raspberry Pi, and uh, it'll only run and build images from Docker files on host specified with a config file. So it'll work, you can you can use the Raspberry Pi to 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 manage it, but then run the containers on x86 hardware, not related to ARM at all. And it uh, comes up with a nice little GUI here. You can run commands in parallel across nodes. It has heartbeat services. You can easily build and orchestrate Docker images across the nodes. Of course, it has a command line interface. But the thing I thought was pretty cool is it's got a web interface as well as an HTTP interface and a virtual IP manager. You've got to have Node.js, though. Docker, Raspberry Pi. That's just way too much too much cool in one thing. For I know. And it's, su- it's super cool to take like a little $30 Raspberry Pi or whatever it is. $100, and manage, you know, a whole set of Docker containers across a bunch of powerful x86 servers. It is Node.js, you know, your favorite, so there's that. You know, I spent a lot of time running Node.js these days. I noticed. I noticed. Everything Everything is basically done in JavaScript now. So there was that uh, rumor at the beginning of the show that Mike's hiring, and he's got a link. I mean, somebody leaked a link, probably Edward Snowden, in the show notes. So if no, you're curious no, about it, that. It, it was the Russians. Yeah, that's what I've been told. And fake news, too. Only it's real news. It's it's the real news telling you about fake news on this week's episode of Quarter Radio. You can find that link for the position that Mike's hiring for in the show notes as yes, well. Yes, you can. And there is a PHP and ASP variety of it as well mm. that I did not put the link in for. Oh. But oh. that's – well, Chris, it has been wonderful. Yeah. What, the hiring or just dealing with PHP? Just being with you. Oh, oh, I mean, today's episode's been wonderful. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm being nice to you. Thanks, man. That's just, that's unusual. Usually, usually I know we're wrapping up because you give me a hard time about something, then I know it's uh, my cue to get going here. That's, that's... Yeah, it's going to be nice today. Computer, this isn't what I wanted at all. I get all used right, to something. I get used to something. All right. Thank you. Thank you. All right. <laughs> you can also find a link to, link to Pi Cluster in the show notes. Just look for episode 235 at jupiterbroadcasting.com. You can send us an email at jupiterbroadcasting.com slash contact. And you can submit content and comment at coderadio.reddit.com. Don't forget, we're live on Mondays. Go to jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar to find us. Mike, do you want to give the good peeps a place to find you on the internet throughout the week? You know, if you go to buccaneer.io, there may be a deal on taking a look at Google Actions. What? There you go. That's a great one. And you can follow me. I'm at Chris LAS. Find the network at Jupiter Signal. And we'll see you right back here next Monday.